they're not going to be able to have fun in the ways that they used to because alcohol was infused in everything that they were doing. That was my life. I was fearful of it. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek. I am a movement and mindset strategist with a passion for running, triathlon, and all things fitness. It is my mission to get you moving and feeling amazing about your life. You can check out my website and learn all about me and grab some free resources at www.crushingmygoals.com. Last week, I did five podcasts which was the most I have ever recorded in a single week. And I have to tell you, talking about triathlon five days in a row, sharing all my tips and secrets about what it's like to be a first-time triathlete really got me excited about doing triathlon. So over the weekend, I decided that I am going to do one at the end of this month and I just went and signed up for it, so I better be ready because I have four more weeks left to prepare. I also signed up for a marathon in Savannah, Georgia. I'm going to do the Rock and Roll Marathon in November 1st and 2nd that weekend in Savannah, which will be a fun opportunity to go hang out with my daughter, who will be a freshman in college down there, and also maybe catch a show or two at the Savannah Film Festival, which also runs that weekend. So I thought it was kind of interesting, though, that I talked about triathlon, and I keep on talking about all of the excuses that we put into our own minds and how we just have to shut out what other people are telling us and not pay any attention, not worry about being too slow, too old, too anything, and just go for it. And so... I preached about this enough that I finally believe what I'm saying or I'm going to take action on what I'm saying to you guys and I'm going to go for it this year. So I hope that as I train, maybe it will inspire you to go for something that you have been thinking about too. Today, I am excited to share an interview I did with Amy Willis. Amy C. Willis is a certified holistic health coach, soon to be certified life coach, and the founder of Whole Plus Well, a brand that focuses on all things holistic wellness. Amy is in recovery from alcohol use disorder and has been sober for over two and a half years. Through her own journey in recovery, she's been inspired to support other women in their path to sobriety and does so through her coaching practice. Amy is an avid reader loves writing, travel, community building, and moving her body. When she's not coaching, she is hanging out with friends or spending time outside or teaching indoor cycling. Amy lives in Toronto, Canada and works with clients globally. And you can find her at her website at www.holandwell.com. And her Instagram is Ms. M.S. Amy C. Willis. And I will put both of the links to those in the show notes. So I hope you enjoy this interview. I think that we covered a lot of helpful and insightful topics. I do also want to tell you that I had a lot of internet connection problems that day. And 
So I do these interviews remotely, and so there are places where she fades in and out. I've done my best in the editing process to fix that. So I hope that you will listen for what she has to say and really try to look past all of the audio issues that we have, because I do think that what Amy had to say was super valuable. So thanks for listening. Well, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Amy. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Why don't you just start off with just telling us a little bit about what you do and how you got started down that path. I am a holistic health coach, and I work specifically with women who are struggling with their drinking, who are interested in becoming sober, but don't necessarily have the tools or the support or the accountability to do that on their own. So I work with women on their journeys into recovery. I got into this work because I've always had an interest in working with people and helping people in really meaningful ways in their lives. And I am also in recovery myself. It will be three years as of this August. Awesome. Yeah. So when I thought about who I wanted to work with and the type of work that I wanted to do, I really felt called to work with women similar to me or who I was five years ago and at that time. I love it. So what are some of the things that you think need to be in place so that somebody who is trying to overcome addiction can be successful with that? That's a great question. And I actually just wrote a piece on that last week. So it really isn't as simple as just quitting drinking and then everything else will fall into place. It really, it it isn't that. There are lots of different areas likely that alcohol is involved in your life. So it's really kind of taking a step back and seeing all those different areas and then creating a new plan. So in terms of what needs to be in place, we definitely want to be doing things to set ourselves up for success in our recovery. So definitely telling people, involving the people in your life who care about you the most to create um, a system of accountability and a system of support. Obviously doing things like removing alcohol from your house, like that seems obvious, but a lot of folks maybe who live with somebody else who drinks, Um, that's not always an option and getting those kinds of things, those triggers out of your environment is really, really helpful. Um, working with a recovery coach or an addiction counselor can also be a really great tool. Um, I could go on and on, but you know, there, there are definitely lots of things to put in place that will really help you in your recovery journey. So what are some of the things that a person might look at? So that they can decide, yes, I'm somebody who needs to get help or I'm someone who has Mm -hmm. to stop drinking because I don't think it's always just a black and white issue. How do you start leaning toward that side where you're like, oh yeah, that might be me? People often defer to some of the more stereotypical um, measures of problematic drinking. So if they feel like they need to go to rehab or if they have gotten a deep, they have been reprimanded at their workplace because they have showed up drunk or hungover. But in most people's cases, it doesn't look like that. So for me, I never went to rehab. I never filed for bankruptcy. I never 
got a DUI, but I was noticing that it was becoming this thing in my life that I could no longer control. And it was something that started to bleed into other areas of my life and having a negative impact. And so I think when we are starting to think about our drinking and whether or not you have a problematic relationship or you are considering quitting drinking, even for a short period of time, I do think it's really important to be honest and reflect on that relationship and ask questions like, is this something that I do because I enjoy it? Or is it something that I do because I feel like I can't live without it? Am I doing things that I wouldn't normally do if I weren't drinking? Do I, have I tried to stop doing this and I've been unsuccessful? Is this something that I've identified that I want to not do, but I can't seem to stop myself from doing? So those are some of the questions that we can really use to reflect on our relationship with alcohol. So what if you decide this is something I need to do? I need to stop drinking. But it's mm-hmm. such a part of your life because maybe you're in a life stage where that's how everybody celebrates. Because I, well, I kind of think no matter what age you are, that's just, that's part of our culture. That's how we celebrate. So what, how do you get past that and still feel like you're not deprived, but address the, the things that you need to address personally? I mean, that's interesting. I feel like one of the things that people who are considering not drinking really worry about is the impact on their social life or feeling deprived, like you say, or feeling like they're not going to be ha- able to have fun in the ways that they used to because alcohol was infused in everything that they were doing. And I was there there. Like I, me, that was my life. I was fearful of it. And to be honest, yeah, there's an adjustment period and things are going to look a little bit different. But when you start to get really clear on what you want and what you want in your sobriety or things that open up to you as a result of that is innumerable in so many ways. And there are so many different ways that you can celebrate and find fun and find enjoyment that doesn't involve alcohol, right? Like the company of your loved ones, going out for a beautiful meal, spending time in nature, moving your body, like all of these things are things that can be incredibly enjoyable and used in celebratory ways. And they don't have to involve eating poorly or drinking a lot of booze. I think that's such a hard one. Even when we get away from something that more people can relate to, I think it's easy for people to look at alcohol and go, oh yeah, somebody's an alcoholic. Of course they need to quit drinking. But- People can be addicted to other things too, like Definitely. the way we use food. And yeah. it seems to be a well-accepted thing that you it's okay. You know, you have a celebration at work and people bring donuts and cookies and cakes and all this unhealthy stuff, or you take mm-hmm. a hard test mm-hmm. and everybody goes out and celebrates passing or graduation or whatever it is with food. So yep. I don't know where I'm going with that, except for that there has to be a way no matter what you're addicted to, to start looking at these things and saying, I I need to find other ways to celebrate or I need to find other ways to be around my friends. I think also um, people kind of 
do what they are accustomed to doing. And sometimes when you're looking to create new habits, you need to put a little creative energy into that. So for example, if I was celebrating with somebody at a workplace environment and food was part of that celebration, I might be inclined to create a healthier version of some kind of recipe for somebody to enjoy so that it didn't have the negative impact that tons of refined sugar has and the you know junk that goes into a lot of baked goods but also I think it can look like I don't know pooling our resources and getting someone celebrating a massage or going on a hike as a group I feel like there are lots and lots of ways we can enjoy our time with our friends and our colleagues and also find creative ways to celebrate and then let's say that the people that you work with or the people that are in your closest circle of friends aren't supportive of that. Is that when you say, I need to find a new place to work, I need to find different people to hang out with that are more like my current mindset? Or what do you suggest? Well, I think that everybody's threshold and level of comfort for that kind of thing is going to be different. I find that I lean quite heavily on my people. And so I need them to be so to be on board. And sometimes it takes folks a while to get there and to get on your page. And that's okay. But I do suggest that if you're finding your immediate group of friends isn't as supportive as you might hope or need, I don't think you need to replace them, but maybe add to your group of friends and seek like out them. whether it's in real life or whether it's through online communities. Try to cultivate community elsewhere so that you are getting what you need from folks who are, like you say, of a similar mindset and kind of in a similar place in their lives. So as a holistic health professional, what types of things do you coach people on when they're trying to create a new set of habits? My big thing is meeting people where they're at. So we really take some time to figure out where it is they are currently. We spend a lot of time to uncover what has been holding them back and why they aren't where they want to be already. Um, And then we figure out what their goals are, where they would like to be. And then that's when those habits uh, come into place. So we spend a lot of time figuring out which behaviors in their lives are driven by habit. And for most people, that's a lot, right? You know, the professionals and the studies say that 40 to 95% of our behavior is driven by habit. So it's a lot. So we need to figure out which habits are not supporting the goals that my clients would like to be reaching. And it's really taking an in-depth look at the look at those habits and finding ways to to tweak the habit loop so that we can put new healthier habits in place to support closing the gap from where they are to where they want to be. And then do you promote any types of activities? Like what do you what do you promote or suggest to people for inner reflection so that they can 
begin to understand the link between maybe some of the thoughts that they have and how those are linked to their behaviors? A few different things, definitely journaling. So as a way to get everything in your head out on paper, I think it can be a really powerful practice to actually see your thoughts and reflect back on them. Meditation is a helpful tool also in terms of mindset. And another tool that I use with my clients is something called emotional brain training, which is basically a technique that allows us to disrupt habits and behavioral patterns in a way that can redirect our focus into creating new habits. And that's really something that's a powerful tool for a lot of my clients. So what if somebody starts to realize that every time I get really stressed or anxious at work, I come home from work at the end of the day and I'm able to control my drinking all the time, except for when I get in that situation, I come home and I just lose control. Are there techniques that are different that they would use in a case like that? Uh, so again, when we are in stress state, typically our body responds by defaulting to whatever habit we have used previously to manage that stress. So that's really how some of those habits get like really ingrained in us. So whether it's stress or emotional eating, whether it's drinking related to stress, whatever it is. So emotional brain training is a great tool I use again for those types of situations to really intervene on that loop to redirect that um, pattern of behavior. Another technique I use with my clients, and it sounds so simple, but it's so effective, is a breathing technique actually called 557. And basically what the breathing technique does is get people out of their stress state by activating their parasympathetic nervous system so that they enter a relaxation state so that they are literally changing the physiology and the state that they're in, in their bodies and in their minds so that they can, again, interrupt that pattern, maybe make different choices by removing the stress from their body and their head. If you're willing to share, I would love to hear the story, if there is one, about that moment that you realized that this was it for you and you needed to make some changes. In terms there, of quitting drinking? Yeah. Was there a particular mm -hmm. moment in time? I can't say that there was one moment. I would say it was a series of terrible moments, to be totally honest, that made me realize that I needed to do something different. Um, yeah, again, I was noticing that things were starting to creep up in other areas of my life, in my relationships, in my work, and having moments where I was not proud of how I showed up or what I said or how I behaved and wanted to deal with the stress and the guilt and the shame of those moments ever again. So one of my like lower moments was going to a really awesome yoga festival a few years ago. And I was drunk the entire time. And like, that's not, that's not really what you're hoping to get out of a yoga festival, you know? And I'm sure it would have been such a beautiful experience, but I was drunk. So I don't really even remember it that well. So yeah, I would say an accumulation of a bunch of low moments in my life really led me to make a decision that I needed to stop. Also, my father 
had a lot of problems with drinking as well. And I grew up with him as somebody who had alcohol use disorder and he drank himself to death. And that kind of thing is also incredibly impactful. And in witnessing that, I became very clear that that was not my path. And it wasn't immediate. I actually drank a lot to get through his death. But yeah, that was definitely an impactful moment that later on really changed the trajectory of my life. And then what was the first step that you took to become somebody who no longer drinks? And is that the same step that you would recommend to people now that you've had more education and have been on the other side of it? Yeah. So the very first thing that I did was tell my partner and I absolutely, whether it's a parent or a good friend or a parent who cares about you, who has best interest in mind, you have to let somebody in on this. Once you get somebody else involved, there is an added element of accountability. So I would definitely say that that was my first step. And that's the first thing I recommend to other people as well. I know we like to think we can do it alone, but it's really, really hard to do this solo. Tell me a little bit about how you work with people. Tell us about your company first. You have your own Mm -hmm. company and you work with people and you can work with them remotely. So tell us what the process is like for working with you. Yeah. So the name of my company is Whole and Well. So H-O-L and W-E-L-L. So it's a play on holistic wellness. I mostly work with people one-on-one. I, If somebody is interested in working with me, I set up a complimentary uh, transformation call. So that call is usually about an hour. And over the course of that time, I offer some coaching and the person shares with me what they're interested in working on. And by the end of that call, we should both have a really good sense of what the next step is and if we are a good fit for one another. So if my skill sets and offerings support their needs and their goals. And also, I'm actually launching a group coaching program that's coming out August 1st. So it is called Lose the Booze, and it is a 100-day alcohol-free challenge. And I will be posting content in a private Facebook group every single day so that people feel equipped and knowledgeable. There will be a lot of live trainings happening in that group. And as I mentioned, accountability is a really important piece. Everyone in the group, and it will be a small group for this reason, but everybody will be able to email me directly every single day to let me know whether or not they drank that day. And then I will respond to them. So a lot of hands-on accountability and support and a lot of value and information and education. That is so cool. I think that's going to be a huge hit and very helpful for people. I also wanted to ask you, so you mentioned that you were doing yoga at the time. Now you are a cycling instructor. Yes. Were you always active in what role does or should physical activity play in recovery? For me, I highly recommend it. I think that movement is medicine for many people. And I teach indoor cycling several times a week and and I'm very, very active. But it doesn't have to be that for everybody. It could be playing with your kids in the backyard. It could be going for a walk or walking to work or taking the stairs or riding your bike. Like 
I think movement is so helpful. It's, you know, provides a great opportunity to release stress from your body. There's so much science to show how it's helpful with anxiety and depression. And a hit of endorphins makes you feel amazing. So it's definitely something that I advocate for with with my clients. Absolutely. So I know that you have uh, online coaching and I want people to be able to sign up for this course that you're going to offer in August. So will you make sure that we have your Instagram and your website and wherever else people want you want people to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at Ms. So M-S, Amy C. Willis. And then online, you can find me at www.holandwell.com. So wholeandwell.com. Awesome. And I will put all those links in the show notes, but I always like to have it said verbally for anybody who doesn't know how to get to the show notes. Okay. One final question. Power up your performance is all about learning how to think, feel, and live like a champion. What are Mm -hmm. three traits that you believe all champions possess? I would say resilience, tenacity, and grit. Okay. And the reason I would say those things is resilience is built through, I mean, all of these things, I think, are built through trying and failing and keep, you know, continuing to keep going and getting up even after you've been knocked down and not letting anything stop you from moving forward and getting to where you want to go. So I feel like those are very much interrelated and definitely possessed by chance. Nobody that we know who has achieved anything remarkable has gotten where they have gotten without resilience, tenacity, and grit. I agree. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. because those three come up a lot. At this point in the interview, we had said our goodbyes And I had the microphone on still, and I felt a little bit like Oprah with the the after-the-show interviews that they do. We just kept on chatting like friends, and I captured some good information that I asked her for permission to share with you because I thought that she really said some valuable things that would be helpful. So here's that portion of the -the off-the-record interview. Helping people get clear on their stories and what's actually true And, you know, when certain ideas happen or or when circumstances happen and the meaning in our head about what that is and then respond to that meaning as though it's true, I feel like that's where we get into trouble. So figuring out like what's actually true in our lives when people are saying things like alcohol um, leads to greater connection with people. Like I often push back and say, is that true? Like, is that, you know, does drinking a lot make you feel more connected to the people you're spending time with? Because if you can't remember it and your brain is actually operating at a much slower pace and intellectually watered down, is that a real, authentic, strong connection? Right? So anyway, myth debunking. Yes. Yeah. 
but yeah, the notion that, you know, our social life will die and everything will be boring and that we will not have any fun in our lives is no longer part of it. And for me, that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, absolutely what you do for fun changes. And when you're not drinking and everybody around you is, that's not always the most fun. But again, it's about getting creative and finding things that you actually enjoy doing and redirecting your energy and your time. I will let you get on with your day. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was so great. And nice to finally talk to you instead of just, you know, Instagramming. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run, and you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com. Dot com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe as a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week and I will catch you next Tuesday.